Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, the only podcast designed to fuse your left and right brain hemispheres and feed it the most entertaining and mentally engaging topics on the planet. As we approach our ascent, please make sure your frontal, temporal and occipital lobes are in their full upright position. As you take your seat of consciousness, relax your senses and allow us to take you on a journey. We are the Intimate Strangers. Thank you for listening. The human experience is colliding particles at nearly the speed of light with my guest tonight, Dr. Florian Gortz. Florian, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. Welcome. Hello, Xavier. Nice to talk to you. Florian, let's just start this conversation by going over a little bit of your education and your background. How did you get to working at CERN? Um, so first, uh, I studied physics in Germany, in Mainz. That's a more or less small city uh, in, in the region of Frankfurt, so southwest Germany. Uh, I obtained my PhD from Mainz University after getting my master there. Then I went as a postdoc, postdoctoral researcher. I went to Switzerland to ETH Zurich, where I spent three years doing research, a little bit of teaching. And um, then I applied for a fellowship uh, at CERN. And uh, in la- last year, October, I started working here in the theory department of CERN. So my physics is lackluster at best. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good at math, but uh-huh. we're gonna, I think we're going to have to simplify for and make it a little bit entertaining for the people who are listening. What exactly is going on at CERN? I mean, what are you guys doing over there? Um, I mean, one thing that was uh, also in the media quite quite present was um, the discovery of the Higgs boson. So, I mean, um, we were searching for that particle for, for decades, also at the former accelerator, that uh, the, the former world biggest accelerator was in the US, at Fermilab, where people were searching for it. And here at CERN, um, we finally found the Higgs boson um, three years ago. And this was a really a, a big step in the understanding of the universe because this particle was the last missing ingredient for the model that we call the standard model of particle physics, which is, as far as we know, the best description of, of, of the most fundamental properties of nature um, that we have so far. Can you tell us more about this Higgs boson? I mean, why is it so important? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, without this Higgs boson or without this mechanism where the Higgs boson emerges finally, all particles, all elementary particles would be massless. There would be no, um, I mean, it's very hard to to consistently give mass to particles and the Higgs mechanism provides one mechanism to do so uh, consistently in the theory. And if we would not have found that boson, we would have been puzzled and uh, would have needed to think further what gives mass to particles because without mass for elementary particles the universe as we see it now could not exist so it's really a very basic fundamental science yeah understanding why why we are all here yeah without without uh, such a mechanism i mean that uh, we would not have life as we have it here on earth so would you would you call this the greatest i mean scientific discovery known to man um it's certainly one of the greatest discoveries. I mean, it's um, having found that mechanism is, is probably not important to our everyday life. So, I mean, um, without knowing this precise mechanism, we, we could could live as uh, with knowing it. But it was one of the biggest mysteries um, in, in our field, um, how we can give really, give really give mass to particles in a consistent way. And there were uh, a model um, for doing this proposed by 
a bunch of people um, in the 1960s, so it was 50 years ago that this mechanism was proposed by Peter Hicks and others who shared the Nobel Prize also recently together with uh, François Inlert. And I mean, it's really, I must say, it's really amazing that 50 years ago such a mechanism was proposed and 50 years later we built the biggest experiment that mankind has ever built here at CERN with a large hadron collider. And we could now more or less certainly uh, verify this mechanism. I mean, we could verify this mechanism for sure, but um, there are still details if it's really the Higgs boson as it was thought to be, or if there's more beyond, beyond this particle. And that's also kind of my research. I tried to find out if this is particle that we found here is really the one that was proposed uh, 50 years ago, or if perhaps there's more and more interesting things uh, going on around this. You know, there's there seems to be this wide range of canvassing opinions about, you know, what you guys are doing and, you know, Shiva as sort of the mascot of CERN. And, and there, there are a lot of sort of religious people who think that there could be a wormhole that opens up or a black hole or something? I mean, how valid are these concerns? I mean, these concerns about black holes were taken seriously and uh, there even have been, been studies on that. So, okay, fortunately in the first run of the LHC, which, which already finished, uh, um, we didn't create a wormhole and was also not really expected. So now we are getting to higher energies, but um, I think uh, we can, can be relieved because um, there are, I mean, there are serious arguments uh, against uh, the emergence of a wormhole. So let me say for, for oh, a black hole, sorry, a black hole. Let me say for one minute um, why people thought that there could be black holes at the LHC. The reason is that we have this model that I was mentioning, the standard model, but we think that it will be, be not valid anymore once we reach a certain energy regimes. And then there are proposals how this most fundamental model of nature could be extended. And in, in some of these proposals, um, the Planck scale, so like the fundamental scale of gravity, were, were um, also the, the, the concept of, of space-time needs to be changed, would already appear at energies that we could probe here. So it's very special models that predict that uh, something really extreme could happen at this energy. So in our standard models, nothing like that would happen. But um, we can be relieved because there are various arguments um, against the creation of a black hole here. One of them is, for example, in the um, cosmic radiation that, that hits uh, our Earth all the time. Um, we also have very energetic collisions. Okay, it's, it's just that we don't have so many collisions at a time, but we have these very energetic collisions. And for example, um, um, we would have seen all already an event like that before if it could happen. So, I mean, it has been taken seriously, but, but uh, many experts in the field uh, have found out that we will not create a black hole here at the LHC also when we turn it on again. So, I mean, have, have you guys fired it up again since the first time now? I yeah, now we're just in the preparation for the next long run. So there was a long shutdown because we needed to... Um, um, to prepare the machine for the running now at, at higher energies. Before we were running at uh, uh, 7 tera electron volt or 8 tera electron volt, which, and now we will more or less double the energy. And there we needed some preparation to do that. But now the, the machine people are just um, putting it again on work. And uh, 
first collisions are about to happen right now. <laughs> so on Easter they on Easter they managed again to to um, to set up the machine to inject the beams, and now the first physics this will take some time, but now it's we're just as we speak, just um, people are working to to set it up again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very interesting. So I mean, you talk about uh, the standard model of nature and reality. What I mean, what is that? Can you go into that a little bit more, please? Yes, sure. I mean, um, we have, in, in, I mean, we, we see around us is in matter, and I mean, the, the, what things are made of, yeah, I mean, the, the atoms, these, these are made of, out of matter particles, like protons and neutrons, and these consist of, of um, I mean, this is what, what you also learn in school, and these consist of even more fundamental particles, so protons and neutrons consist of quarks. Perhaps you heard about that. It's a little bit strange name, but this is this is what we think now is, is the most fundamental constituent of the matter. Yeah, like like the desk I'm I'm sitting in front of it is made out of, of atoms, protons, neutrons, and the, the most fundamental particles are quarks. These have been discovered. I mean, we, we are sure that they exist. But for example, we, we don't know if there could be something even more fundamental. But at this level, with, with the quarks, this the, how matter is described. This is. Uh, Done in the standard model of particle physics, we we assume that um, the most fundamental matter particles are these quarks and also the leptons. This is another other kind of particles like electrons that are running around in, uh, around the protons to form atoms. So this is the matter part, yeah. And then there are the forces. So all these these matter particles interact and uh, they interact with forces. And forces are also described by particles. For example, you know the electromagnetic force, yeah, like like um, magnetic force or electric force. It is one. It's the same thing, yeah, due to Einstein. And um, this is mediated by the exchange of photons. And this is described how, how this really how, how this behaves, how the interaction strength is, and how all the particles really interact is described by this theory, which is called the standard model of particle um, physics. This it has three more. Two more forces that are described in it. This is the weak force, which uh, mediates um, uh, nuclear decays, and also the strong force, which which uh, makes uh, um, atoms. I mean, the constituents, the quarks, bind together uh, in in the in the nucleus. So these are the three forces that are described by this by this standard model of particle physics. But there's a force, a force, force, gravity that everyone knows about. This is not described by this model. So this is not, not such a big problem because gravity is very weak. So the standard model describes the other three forces that we know in nature. But for example, one thing we are after is also trying to find a bigger theory that also embeds gravity as a force force. So we know already also due to many other reasons that the standard model is not the final answer. It's, it's a model that we now use to describe uh, particle physics at the most fundamental level. But there are more reasons that we think that if we go to very, very small distances, probe really most um, elementary nature um, of nature, that then we, we need a new model, finally, which will replace this model. So my understanding of, of this big device, I mean, it's this huge machine underground the Earth, and it, it's, it's like a big gun, right? Electromagnetic gun that's firing these protons at themselves, and they're colliding, and then you're observing the collision. Correct? Right, right. I mean, we, we inject uh, two beams of 
protons here um, and they will collide at, at certain points on these rings so they circle in opposite directions through, through this ring through the LHC and they will collide and then we they are very energetic because they will be accelerated uh, all the time to nearly the speed of light and then they will have a really large large energy and then they will collide and you can imagine it like a very very big microscope yeah so you know with an optical microscope for example you can uh, magnify things you can look into details but if you really want to to probe really smaller distances to look closer and closer and closer you need them to go to electron microscope and the LHC is really you can magnify this by orders of magnitude then you go to the LHC it's really like the biggest microscope that we have on earth we can really look so deep into the matter and look what is going on on the most fundamental um, level really what what binds the world's innermost core together this is really the question we want to address here and therefore we need to build this really 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 large machine to accelerate this proton so far that we can really look into the smallest distances what's so really interesting <laughs> so since yeah that is very interesting so since i mean since you guys have already found the higgs boson then what what in your opinion would be the next remar most remarkable thing that you could find from this search this is a very good question. Yeah, I mean, this is also um, shapes also our field uh, will shape our field. What we will discover next. Yeah. So because you know, um, we knew before. I mean, before we built the LHC, that we need to find something here. Yeah, if we would not have found the Higgs boson. Um, we, we were sure we would find something else. We had kind of a no lose theorem, and the reason was that. We knew that the standard model of particle physics that I was mentioning so many times already would not be complete without this Higgs boson. Yeah? And um, if, if you take it away from it, it will break down at certain energies. And here at the LHC, we just built this machine at this energy that we really can, can test these uh, energies where the standard model would break down without the Higgs boson. So now the Higgs boson emerged, we found it, yeah. So so we know the standard model will be valid, at least for some some more regime and energies. But um, the the yeah difficult thing is really that it's difficult to find another no-lose theorem. Yeah. So for the LHC we really knew either we will find the Higgs boson or something else. For the next machine, so we are really also hoping that there will be new uh, colliders after the LHC. We are thinking hard really um, to to really make the point what we need to discover so why we are building these machines and there are many many reasons that we think the standard model is not the final theory one i was already mentioning was that it doesn't describe gravity but there's also something funny in this sector of the higgs boson because the higgs boson if you compare it to fundamental um, mass scales that we have in nature is is, is really light and in principle, the most natural value for its mass would be orders of, ma orders of magnitude higher. So we don't understand why it's really so light that we can produce it here. And this drives also to, to build models beyond this model that we have now to understand how the Higgs boson can keep so light. Because, you know, the, the physics that we imagine that should be out there would, would make the Higgs boson much, much heavier than, than it is now. And there are other models beyond the standard model that can explain why it's so light. And we're searching for these models. One of them is called um, supersymmetry. So also, perhaps you already heard about it because it's also quite popular. Where to every particle um, that I was already mentioned, some, some of them in the standard model, you would have a, a super partner of it that would help 
to keep this mass of the six bosons alive. And so we're searching for these super partners, for example. We're searching for this copy of the standard model, of, of these partners of the standard model that could explain um, why the Higgs boson behaves as it behaves. So this is one big path where we have much hopes. Another path is also um, the Higgs boson, as we see it now, is also a fundamental particle. But it could also be that it's composed of something more fundamental. And this is also, would also solve many, many of the questions that we ask ourselves now, why really the Higgs particle behaves as it behaves. So we're also searching for a substructure in this particle. Yeah, and for example, also in supersymmetry, the other theory I was mentioning, there's not only one Higgs boson, so there, there could be more. So we're also searching for for other brothers of these Higgs bosons. There's really, I mean, I could continue for hours, there's really much, much we think that should be out there and um, which should be discovered. Just we need to find out how we can produce it. Yeah, this is <laughs> the important question. Hmm. Wow, very, very intriguing. So, I mean, from what I'm understanding, you guys, you guys were, I mean, this is basically, at first you were confirming a theory that was developed in 1964 by Peter Higgs. And and you were able to discover this elementary sort of particle that and confirm it. And now you've doubled the energy in this device, and you're you're trying to confirm more so the standard model and develop it further. You don't know what you'll find. We have some ideas what we might find, but right now we're not sure what we will find. So. On one side, we are testing this standard model, as you correctly said, to more and more precision. Yeah? So we will measure the properties of the Higgs boson, how it decays to other particles of the standard model. We'll measure other interactions of particles in the standard model to more and more accuracy to be able to, to see deviations there. Because these models that I was mentioning before that could uh, replace the standard model at some point, they would predict uh, small, small differences in, for example, how the Higgs boson behaves. These are very hard to, to see if you just produce a few Higgs bosons. You really need to produce many, many of them. You need a large statistics yeah, to, to be able to really dig out these uh, small, small differences in the behavior of, of, um, from the large sample. So um, this is the program that is starting now, really trying to, to be more and more precise and really to... I mean, if we be pessimistic to more and more confirm the standard model or to be optimistic, perhaps we see a little deviation in these properties. Perhaps we produce a little bit more Higgs bosons that we, um, our theory predicted or we produce a little bit less. And then we can see which series would predict that and how they could solve the problems of, of the current theory. So this is really the precision um, program that we're doing here. But also we have the hope that just as we produce these Higgs bosons, we might um, produce other new particles, like, for example, another force carrier. So, for example, we might discover a fifth force, yeah, in addition to the known forces or further matter particles. Yeah. And this is really what we're really excited now for these new things to come. I think it's very interesting just because, I mean, I don't, I don't, think the technology to do an experiment like this has ever existed before. I mean, do, do you think it's possible that we could maybe spawn a mini universe by doing this experiment? Yeah, I mean, I, no, I, I can't see how this could be done. I mean, um, extreme things extreme things can really happen once once we hit the, the Planck scale, which I was saying is the scale of gravity. But this is 
really orders of magnitude beyond what we can do with, with this machine here. So we are really more after um, creating new particles, unless, unless some theories are true that were proposed, for example, by Nima Khani Hamad, a very famous physicist from the US, uh, and um, Giatvali Savastimopoulos uh, several years ago, where this very, very fundamental scale, the Planck scale, would not be out of reach. So this is also, I mean, right now, the data doesn't look like this would be the case, because we, we would probably already see hints in, in our data to that. But one never knows. If we go to higher, higher energies, we also might hit surprises. So in case the um, space-time would really look different from, from what we expect now, we might create very strange things like uh, black holes or so. But um, as I said, this would not be dangerous. <laughs> I must stress this. But we can, we can, we can see many interesting things, uh, perhaps. <laughs> So I mean, let's let's go into what your life is like in inside of CERN and what you do there on a regular basis. I mean, how mm-hmm. the how does how does that happen? How does that work? Yeah, so um, I have my office here. So we are together. We are two two people per office here on the theory floor. So I must say, uh, as a theorist, I'm I'm trying to interpret the data that the LHC delivers. I'm trying to make predictions what we would see at the LHC that will then be compared to to what we really see. So this is this is my job and. Um, people like us we are we are not the majority here at CERN so CERN has around uh, 3000 uh, people working here regularly and in the theory department we have perhaps 60 to 80 or so so we are really a, a small group and this other this big majority is really running the machine and and analyzing the data and really doing the, the very important work to to keep this machine going um, what I'm doing, on the other hand, I could also do the same thing at, at another place. I don't need to be at the same place where this machine is, but it, it's very nice to be here because if I have an idea, I can directly talk to the people that do really the measurements. This is really, I mean, this is right now CERN is the most exciting place in the world for doing what I do for doing particle physics because you have really the experiment that tries to, to, to find your ideas just uh, just uh, under yourself. yeah, and. Um, so what I do, I mean, I, I come to the office in the morning, I discuss with my colleagues, I um, usually one has several projects at a time. One, for example, um, what I was working on recently was uh, trying to, um, um, to find out how well we can measure not the production of one single Higgs boson, but of Higgs pairs. So producing two Higgs bosons in just one collision. So we produce many, many Higgs bosons, but usually in one collision we produce just one. But for example, one can, if one, if one really tries hard and waits for a long time, one can also find the process of producing Higgs pairs. So I was studying um, the, the amount of Higgs pairs one would produce if the standard model of particle physics would not be the, the, the correct theory, but if we would have a deviation from this model. And I was parameterizing these deviations from this model in the most general way that one can do it, and then um, trying to understand really how, how far we can go, how many Higgs pairs we can produce, or if it can be less or so, and uh, comparing with other, comparing with other um, measurements. So this is a project I'm, I'm just working on, and um, what it means daily, I mean, I, I sit in front of my computer 
uh, I'm, I'm, um, I'm programming, yeah, I'm also thinking quite a lot, just sitting there and, and trying to, um, to think on, on new methods to improve things. I'm also, yeah, I mean, as a theorist, also a lot of my daily time goes in just sitting and thinking <laughs> because there are many things that are not understood in, in, the, in the current description of nature that we have and it's about trying to understand um, what, where it might fail and, and how it could be improved and then if you have an idea you go to the next door and then talk really I mean I'm, I'm really honored to, to be here because the world's, many world's greatest experts are here and I'm still rather young in my career as, as a fellow so I can talk to the greatest experts in all the fields they have a new idea and ask their opinion and perhaps work with them and make some predictions that might be tested uh, at this experiment where I'm just uh, sitting here. So this is uh, more or less <laughs> one aspect of my daily life. I don't know if you search the internet for what's going on at CERN, but people people are worried. People are a bit scared. I mean, reasonably so. So, I mean, let's dispel that fear. Let's, let's sort of remove... The veil. I mean, how how can we understand better what is happening at LHC? Yeah, I mean, um, well, one should really have, have no fear because we we are not doing something. I mean, something really which has never been done before. We are. I mean, as I said, these collisions um, that that we're performing here they happen because uh, in in the, in the universe we have. Um, particles that will be accelerated in, in, in fields in the universe, they, they will hit each other and we are just um, making this experiment here on Earth where we are producing much more more collisions that we can really uh, learn, learn about them. So it's just we are, we are trying to understand the processes that happen in the universe, all over the universe, we're trying to understand them better by observing them. So this is really what we do at CERN. So we are really trying to, um, to um, have these processes here under our control. We can monitor what happens and, and re really try to, to understand better what is happening in the world. And this can be, uh, can be uh, a benefit for all of us. I mean, one never knows which applications can come out of this. So I would really have no fear, fear uh, in trying to understand better our universe. It's just about understanding it better. We're not changing anything yet. Right. Right. So, I mean, what, how do you think, you mentioned changing our lives. How do you think it could change the way that we live, I mean, in a practical way? Yeah, right now I, I, I cannot tell that, yeah. But, for example, also when electricity was discovered, I mean, it was first, uh, it was not, not clear uh, how useful it would be in, in the future. So, it's always, I mean, this really, this most fundamental research, before probably you don't know what will be the outcome, but... Um, there can be many outcomes, for example, also indirect outcomes like, like cancer therapy, for example, now in different places all over the world, um, particle accelerators are also used to treat cancer and this is like a spin-off of this technique, it was not invented to do so, but uh, it can be used and there are, there are more. So um, I think we just should always try to push really our boundaries of our understanding without knowing where it will lead. But there will always be innovations. For example, also we communicate now via the World Wide Web, yeah. And you know, this was invented at CERN. It was was a spin-off from scientists trying to make their communication more efficient. Um, and there are also also uh, innovations for industry. I mean, we we have really 
here many parts of the accelerator really um, re require new techniques also from engineering from industry and this can also be used in the future but okay this is spin-offs but okay we never know what we might discover perhaps um, just referring to the to the um, example of electricity perhaps we'll discover something that will change our whole lives if not we we Still, I think everyone has a force inside them really trying to understand why the universe is as it is, or how it will finally end, or if it will end ever, how it emerged. These are the questions we are trying to address here. For example, let me also mention that we can try to measure properties more exactly and answer these questions. I mean, what will be the fate of our universe? Also, how was the universe created? Um, there's the, the um, theory of baryogenesis, that there are how, how the uh, asymmetry between the matter and the antimatter was created. So you know, it, after the, I mean, during the Big Bang, um, matter and antimatter were created. So the big question is, why didn't it annihilate uh, altogether again? So matter and antimatter, if they meet, uh, hit each other, they will annihilate. But it didn't all annihilate because we are here happily. And also we try to understand these questions because when we measure these properties of all these particles, we can also uh, find out why this happened, yeah? why not all the uh, matter and antimatter annihilated. So it's really about, first of all, about trying to understand why things are like they are or how they will develop. And then there can be unexpected uh, benefits for all of us. Wow, this is very intriguing work. Any any advice for budding physicists or particle physicists that are kind of want to pursue the field that you're pursuing? Yeah, I, my my first advice is, is always be interested, always be fascinated about the field. Yeah, not not thinking we understood already most of it. Always asking questions, and um, yeah, and uh, yeah, sky's the limit. I mean, never never. Uh, saying, okay, I, I can never reach this, always trying very hard. And uh, yeah, I mean, first you need to be fascinated about it and then just uh, trying to go for it and uh, speak with people. Uh, I like that answer. Florent, is there, is there a, I mean, should I just direct people to the CERN website or is there a way to contact you? Right now, I mean, my, I can be found on the CERN website. So on the theory department, I, I can be found. Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Uh, there are my contact details in the theory division and also one can also for applying for tours at CERN one can uh, write to the CERN uh, contact address and if one wants to, to make a tour of the, of the facility here I think I can, can suggest this to everyone, it's very fascinating. Also when the accelerator is running and one cannot go to every point underground there are also uh, models of, of the thing and there's much to see here on the campus. <laughs> Florian, I, I really appreciate your time man, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it was an honor to talk to you. This is the human experience, guys. We're going to get out of here. Thank you so much for listening.